0: I love it when you read to me. Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz.
1: This is Janice Leibovitz. You are my People of the Book, and I am absolutely delighted to welcome my guest. No stranger to High FM, no stranger to the community,
0: Bacha Bricker,
1: welcome to the show.
0: Such a warm good morning, and thank you for your warm welcome. I'm delighted to be here and delighted to be talking books, as always. As always, Bacha, you are currently the marketing,
1: loyalty, and procurement general manager at Exclusive Book. But I am, but you do have a long history in the book <laughs> and publishing industry, and you you've even published our very own Howard Feldman.
0: Cool. I have indeed. I've played on on many sides of the, the book world fences, I guess. Um, I've been in the book trade for 20 years, and um, I know it often surprises people when I tell them, actually, I'm an architect. That's how I trained. But I fell into the book trade just by accident. I answered an ad in the paper, and I fell in love, and I never left. So even when I left Exclusive Books after thirteen years, I then opened my own little publishing house, and yes, published two of Howard's books amongst um, many others. It's Such an incredible process to to work from a book, on a book, from an idea to publish product on the shelf. And now I'm back at Exclusive Books, um, hoping to sell some books off those shelves. Yes, and um, and
1: we're going to to chat briefly about that because the main reason you are actually here is to talk about. What people love to hear about most is what they need to look for when they walk into a bookshop or when they look at a bookshop online, which is what many people have ventured into more recently. I know people i I do read on on an e reader I read on Kindle, but there is nothing like picking up a real book and holding it holding those pages, paging through it. And there's nothing like walking into a bookshop. And and as strange and weird as it sounds, and I know many people feel the same, smelling a book, mm-hmm. <laughs> as very, very odd as that sounds. And, and I know that, that I'm not alone in that.
0: You are yeah. not alone. And um, it's interesting, you know, the the digital and physical book debate rages on. Um, Pre-COVID, we had already seen the sales of digital books internationally kind of plateauing, really. And I think it mirrors what you're saying, that although many of us are reading on a Kindle or in other, other digital devices, we're kind of device agnostic, so it doesn't really make a difference what you're reading on. You want a great story. But when you want something to really immerse yourself in, um, you want the feel of a book, the smell of a book, the touch of a book. And particularly if it's a book that you think you might look at again or refer to again. I know all my nonfiction books are real physical books on my shelves.
1: And there's always those inspirational books, like you say, often the non-fiction books, where they are books that you refer to. There, there are certain books that, that especially people who are in the education field and in the motivation field, those are books that that you want to keep. And um, I know people are very sensitive about this issue, about lending their books to others. Um, I don't do it often. Um, but, but there are books that... You want actual physical copies of because that they're, they're, they're items and that they're, that physical beings really that you hold dear to you. And, and you art. want those, yes, you hold them close to your heart literally. And Some kind you of soul to
0: them I think.
1: Yes, absolutely. But I do find, I did go through a stage where I only read on Kindle, but obviously you can't read on a Kindle on Shabbat if you are observant. The thing I find with a Kindle is if you're reading a book that's quite involved, quite intense, you know, you want to page back and think, did I miss Mm -hmm. something? And who was that character? It's quite difficult to do when you've got an e-reader.
0: Yeah, I... I must say that I have not mastered that. I cannot move back in my Kindle and then move back to the place where I was. Um I also so, judge. <laughs> I just can't work that out and I think you're right. I think that when there's a list of characters or when the plot is a little more complicated or if the writing is really really good, um I often mark my books. I'm not very precious with my books. Um I mark them, I write in them, I I make notes. So often if there's something I want to remember, even if it's fiction, but it was just something that was, Beautifully written or phrased immaculately, then I can't do that on the Kindle. And um, it's interesting, you know, we were talking about nonfiction books being mainly the books that, that you buy um, and want the physical book of. But in fact, um, what I bought recently, and it's a book that I had, but gave away long ago because I read it very long ago and I didn't think it would be relevant again is, um, Paolo Kulo's The Alchemist. The Alchemist is a book that Oh, it must be fifty years old, I guess. Um, just off the top of my head, he he wrote it as it's almost like a little prince. It's a an allegory about life, and he wrote the book. And it it became a you know, bestseller around the world. But what's been interesting on our bestseller charts, particularly during lockdown, is the return of those kinds of books yes. to our bestseller list. People return during lockdown to um, sort of modern classics and books like The Alchemist were in our top 10 throughout lockdown. And in fact, I looked at the September bestseller list now and The Alchemist is still sitting there. So I, I actually went out and re-bought um, The Alchemist for myself. I'm interested in what you say about you're not precious
1: about your books and you write in them and and I, I, I'm trying to restrain myself and not be horrified <laughs> because, because um I, I don't but my books do tend to start looking quite colourful and they have I, I love little those those little it tabs. Yes. And I do decorate my books with those. So Well Janice, don't don't judge me. Um, <laughs> no, no, no judgment, no judgment whatsoever. This is a safe space. Everyone who comes on the show knows there's no judgment. We are all very unique, and that's what's wonderful about all of us. Um, I, think,
0: I think we read. We all read for different reasons, and this was yes. a. Another um, sort of trend that we saw during lockdown and beyond is that sometimes you're reading for escape, sometimes entertainment, sometimes empowerment, education, inspiration for all different reasons. And so while you might race through a a thriller and just be entertained and escape sort of the humdrum of everyday life, maybe on a Kindle or, or on a paperback, you might take much longer and you might go back and forth and you might even underline or just put a sticky note next to the things you want to remember. So I, I think people are reading for different reasons and certainly engage with books for different reasons. And that's why mine it, look like yes. um, workbooks and yours look pristine, beautiful on your shelf. <laughs> well, I don't know about
1: beautiful, but, but they do have lots of little Tags sticking out of them. So probably also a bit messy, but in a different way. Um, talking about the different books people read and the different reasons that people read, do you find there's been a change in, in reading trends and, and book clubs? I mean, book clubs,
0: are they still so popular or has yeah. that changed? Um, look, book clubs are, are something book clubs again it depended why you met in a book club and why you were part of it for many people it's a way of getting getting access to more books and to read more stories and to get the views of other people um, on books and that was very difficult during strip lockdown that has changed somewhat now um, as things have lessened but for many people still, you know, socializing in in a small group is not possible. And so book swaps and things like that have become, I think, much more popular. We've also seen the rise of the digital book clubs. So book clubs meeting online, everyone has their glass of wine and they snack next to their laptop and they talk books that way. I oh, think that's particularly so nice. when... For many people, a book club—it's called a book club—but it's really a club with wine and food and wonderful company, and the books are a side note. So mm-hmm, um, yes. it, it depends very much on, on on why people met. I think um, so. So gathering gatherings around books have been something that has been quite challenging over this COVID period for obvious reasons. Um we we initiated a whole host of digital webinars and events that have been incredibly successful at Exclusive Books. So we have, oh, you know, maybe 10 events a month um, in the digital space and hundreds of people attending. But somehow, I guess, much like a physical book, there's nothing quite like being in the same room with right. an off and warm bodies around you also getting excited. So the I would say that the impact of these events has not been the same. We've just started with physical launches. We recently launched Mandy Wiener's The Whistleblowers, which, mm. you know, Mandy Wiener is an icon um, in, in, in the community, but in the broader South African society. And um, she had an incredibly successful launch. But at the end of the day, there were only 60 people and everybody was distanced. Yeah. So there wasn't quite the same vibe.
1: Right. I'm going to interrupt. We're going to take an ad break, but a very exciting news. There are three exclusive books vouchers to the value of 500 rand each available during the show Um, that you, you can enter this giveaway. But I need you to pay close attention to the discussion that we're going to have throughout the show, because the question I'm going to ask, for you to be in line to win one of these vouchers is going to be based on what Baccia and I are going to chat about after this ad break. So if you want to be in line to win a voucher, listen to what Baccia and I talk about throughout the show. We're going to take a break now, though. I love it when
0: you read to me This is People of the Book with Janice Lieberwitz.
1: I am back with you with my guest, Bacha Bricker, who is the Marketing, Loyalty, and Procurement General Manager of Exclusive Books. And as I mentioned before the break, there are three 500 Rand Exclusive Book vouchers up for grabs. All you need to do is answer one question, and then you need to SMS me on 34519 or message me on Telegram, 061. Eight nine I'm going to put the question to you now, and then you just need to listen very carefully to the rest of the show. All you need to do is name the author or the book that was published during lockdown. I interviewed the author on my show just after the book was published. Listen to the rest of our conversation, and you'll know the answer. I just want to know. The name of the author or the name of the book. Butcher, you know who I'm talking about.
0: I do. And now we're
1: gonna get now we're gonna to get to the nitty-gritty of the conversation, which is actually what people want to know. What books are they going to be reading <laughs> for the rest of the year, basically? And coming out to well, I don't know whether to call it holiday time, because a lot of people feel like most of this year has been kind of downtime. <laughs> but um, <laughs> What do they need to look for if they're looking for something to read from now until the end of the year?
0: Janice, usually, what happens towards the end of the year in the publishing industry, and many of your readers probably know this or know it intuitively, is that we see a bumper crop of of publications because they're trying to cra- catch on the Christmas sort of the Christmas wave. Um, this year, with lockdown, many titles were delayed. So even the titles that perhaps might have been launched May, June, July were pushed to the end of the year. So really, we have never seen such a bump, bumper crop of new titles. Um, from the, the fiction side, the, the book that's next to my bed is the Jody Pico, The Book of Two Ways um she i i think she they have sold something like um yeah 24 internationally best selling novels millions of copies around the world and wow. there's a reason because she is a storyteller of note and in this book you meet dawn who is a death doula which i'd never heard of but somebody I've who- never heard of that either um journey through your the last days of your life, I guess like a hospice nurse would in in our context, and she lands up in a plane crash, and what flashes through her mind in her last minutes hours not hours but minutes is not her husband or her life at home or her child, but a decision that she made. In university, when she left Egypt, she was going to become an Egyptologist. She falls in love um, with a man. And the choice that she makes to leave the PhD then, and she feels like it's unfinished business. So she does survive the plane crash. And she then, instead of going home, goes straight to Egypt. And this is her story about uncovering what she might have become if she had made different choices? It's such an intriguing question for all of us. You know, there are crossroad points at, in your life where you know you made a decision one way. Well, what happens if you had made the decision the other way? Where would you be and who would you be? So... It's fascinating and compelling writing, as always, brilliantly researched, highly recommended. Um, Another fiction title that I cannot wait for, and this may not appeal to everybody, but I am an Agatha Christie fan. I'm obsessed with Agatha Christie. I even went to Seven Dials in London the last time I was there just to pay homage. Um, So Sophie Hannah took over where Agatha Christie left off, and she's writing the Hercules Poirot books. And this is the third one, The Killings at Kingfisher Hill. I don't have it yet. I haven't set eyes on it, but I know it's not going to disappoint. So if you're a fan of the Who Done It, the classic golden age of crime, Who Done It, this one is gonna be for you. And another one which I absolutely loved was Helen Moffat's Charlotte. Helen Moffat it's, is it's, a it's South African so, right.
1: so beautiful. Um I recommend it to basically everybody, even if, if they don't really, if they've never read the genre, if it's not something that, that's appealed to them, I really do try and get them to read this book because it's just something quite unique.
0: Well, Janice, you say um, somebody who isn't even used to the genre will enjoy it. Uh, my next door neighbor has never read Pride and Prejudice. And Neither have I. Oh, okay, so this book follows on from Pride and Prejudice. It, it carries on where Pride and Prejudice left off. And Pride and Prejudice, for many people, just talking about lockdown trends, was one of the titles that came up again and again internationally of people reading and rereading because it's the ultimate comfort reading. Jane Austen is the comfort, ultimate comfort reading. So it was interesting that Charlotte was released over this time. What I love is that you have a South African author writing about Regency England. And, it I mean, the two worlds couldn't be further apart. But it just works so seamlessly. This is the story of Charlotte. And if you know Pride and Prejudice, you'll know that she was Jane Beck, Jane's best friend. And she marries the buffoonish curate. Um, who you will also remember, Mr. Collins, if you read Pride and Prejudice. And it's her story. It's the story of a woman who, particularly in those times, was not pretty. She was not rich. She did not have all the options in front of her. And she made her own way. She made choices to make her own way. I absolutely loved it. It's it's um, feminist reading in the gentlest, softest sense. And a beautiful story and my next door neighbor couldn't put it down and is now reading Pride and Prejudice. And, me, so,
1: and, are, and the funniest thing was that, that after I read it, I must be honest, I wasn't even
0: inclined to
1: go and read Pride oh. and Prejudice afterwards. And when I, I interviewed Helen on the show, um and we we did joke because I mean obviously to to even describe the devastation she felt At being denied her, her launch and her international launch. I mean, for a South African author to have, have been able to, I mean, to have an international publishing deal like, like she had and to then have all that international, the launches and the publicity. It was, it was basically all taken away from her because of COVID. Not to mention the fact that she contracted what has now become termed long-term COVID. I don't know if many people have have heard of that, of that term. It is is it's horrendous. She's had it for months. She's still suffering um, that, from that condition, and it's awful. But I mean, she, she did online launches. It's really not the same. It took months for her to be able to even hold a a copy of the book in her hands. So it was just, I I, I sympathize with her, I empathize with her. It was just the whole year for her that should have been such a triumph. Turned out being so awful. And she did her online launches wearing a little Liberty bonnet. It was just gorgeous. (laughs) I don't know if you saw it. (laughs) Marvelous, no. (laughs) The book is lovely. Something so special. And as you say, for a South African author to have created something like this. Is really quite special. So that is Helen Moffat and the book is Charlotte. What have we got after that?
0: Well, there's, there are a couple of non-fiction books next to my bed. The one that hasn't landed, but that everyone is talking about is the Barack Obama, the uh, oh, yeah. uh, promised land. It is a brick of a book, uh, what they call in the publishing world as, uh, some value. So it's a big book. And in fact, it's going to be um, part one of two parts. But this is for readers of his multi-million copy bestseller, Dreams for My Father and the Audacity of Hope. He, he really is, um, it's, it's history in the making from a president who inspired us to believe in the power of democracy. And I think with everything happening in America and around the world, nothing could be more timely. So the book launches, um, I, I'm i not actually sure if it's in our stores quite yet. Um, if not, it's imminent. And uh, it, it is 700 pages though, so you kind wow. of have to move everything else aside. But this is definitely going to be the book of the season, no matter what happens in America and what happens with their election. So that's a big one. The other one that, has really caught my eye, is a book called Safari Nation, which is by Jacob Glamini. He's now um, a history professor at Princeton, so he's based um, at Princeton. But what he's done is written a social history of the Kruger National Park. And, you know, the Kruger National Park and other parks somehow seem to be Cloaked colonial, colonial imposition. You kind of, they have a colonial feel and a colonial history. But what he does is he brings a whole other side to the history of these parks and how, um, it, it, they, they were a, a minority, but a significant minority of black South Africans who managed to live with as opposed to under colonialism and apartheid. So it's a, Rewriting of history. It's the black participation and um, involvement in conservation on this continent way before parks were even announced. And we're seeing this as a general trend. One of the books that is topping our bestseller lists is a book called The Lie of 1652. Um, and what, what that book is, yeah, The Lie of 1652. It's a decolonized history of um, the continent, it's Patrick Millett, and he, both as a freedom fighter, but also as an academic, does the same, where he rewrites history, um, and he rewrites our idea of land, and particularly, I mean, the land issue is so relevant in, in South Africa, I guess in Africa as well, yeah. um, and he talks about a rewritten history, you know, we, we, we still think, that 1652 was when South Africa began because that's when Jan van Riebeek landed on the shores. And there was so much history and so much knowledge and wisdom and community and socialization that happened before that simply was ignored in that history. So we're definitely seeing a rewriting of history. And just going back to Safari Nation, the Jacob lamini that's about to come out, I think it's going to do the same. I think it's going to reframe our view of the parks which are such treasures uh, um in this country so so loved and and we we many of us spend so much time there and just understanding perhaps how there's a whole hidden history we didn't know I, and i don't think it's something that we even consider very much taken for granted Yes. And with, um, Black Lives Do Matter and everything that happened over, over yes. lockdown on the race issue, I think both these books are so timely and so considered, um, really thinking books on, on how perhaps we can reconstruct our history that better represents everyone. And I love the idea of that. I think it's really reconciliatory. I think it's forward looking, um, And yeah, I I I, I'm I'm we we welcome them and we can see that readers are enjoying them because the minute they hit the shelves, we're selling them. So we know that they it's it's asked for, and it's needed. And I, I think the important thing as well is that, as you say, it's it's a
1: it's a reconstruction of our history, and it's given giving people access to historical events and historical facts that they weren't aware of before, but it's being done in a way that I'm sure there must be political information that's conveyed in these books, but the books themselves are
0: not um really part of the political agenda as many others are. Correct. And I you know, we've we are seeing there's definitely expose fatigue in definitely. in the market. And um, you know people are just Done with the bad news and the sensationalism. Um, so, although, you know, the, obviously there's a need for transparency and for all stories to be told, I think both these books are a much gentler and more considered approach that we, we're all looking for. Yes. No, I, I, I couldn't agree
1: with you more, but I really, um, what you're saying is, is 100% correct.
0: The last book in this category is um, a book called Closing the Gap by Chalitzi Marwala. Um, Chalitzi Marwala, is he's become really a household name. Um, He's the vice chancellor of UJ, but but his big thing is 4IR, is the Fourth Industrial Revolution. He sits on the committee with President Sororo Mampoza and advises him. And his book about Closing the Gap is how technology could fast forward, particularly a continent like Africa, but South Africa is his focus, um, which may be behind in terms of poverty or jobs or education and how technology can really leapfrog us into a new future. So his book is a little scary in parts because 4IR does bring into Play AI, which is artificial intelligence, so robots taking over humanness, which oh, is that, always it, it's, uncomfortable. It's frightening. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's
1: so scary, and I think it's scary also because I think that, and I'm going to to I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm going to say I think it's scary because most of us
0: don't understand it in the slightest. Yes, well, I I think um, what I liked about Celizzi's book is that he. He's also, although he, he he spells out what the danger might be and job losses, etc., he also paints some very exciting opportunities that it presents us with. And I think that idea of being agile and flexible and learning the whole time is what humans need to do. That's what it seems. And then he pres- he shows how artificial intelligence is actually all around you already. If you've used your phone, if you've used your GPS, if you, which is things we take for granted, um, you already engaging with AI, with artificial intelligence. And really a GPS is not scary. So he takes a little bit of that fear out of those big ideas and shows us the opportunities for it. And, and he's showing us that it's actually more accessible than we think it is. It's a lot more accessible. And if you, um, you know, I, I know you have teenage children as do I. Um, Siri is really at your dinner table most of the time. Oh, I was Sorry. just going to say she's part of the family. <laughs> Correct. So, you know, Siri is AI as much as anything else and she's not really scary. And not I think at all. What- She's not at all scary and she's not at all threatening either. And, and I think our children that, are more scary than serious. <laughs> <she is. laughs> Correct. But when you engage with the AI, it ceases to be as scary as it sounds from the outside. So I, I love Chaliti's book. It's really accessible. It paints a picture of hope and um, just some exciting things on the horizon. And that is something that we, we all need now. Most, most definitely. After the break, we are going to come back and talk
1: about one of my favorite groups of books, Books for
0: Children. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz.
1: I am back with my guest, Bacha Bricker, who is the Marketing, Loyalty and Procurement General Manager of of Books. And don't forget, you have the opportunity to win a 500 Rand exclusive books voucher. Just let me know what is the name or the author of the book that we chatted about earlier. We mentioned it in our conversation earlier. I had interviewed the author on the show. Her book was released during lockdown. All you need to do is send me a message either by SMS on 34519 or via Telegram on 0618 951019. Send me a message. Let me know the author's name or the name of her book or both if you want to. And you can be in line to win a 500 Rand exclusive books voucher. Voucher, um, yeah, we've been chatting about fiction books, non-fiction books. Now we get on to the fabulous children's books. And really, if you're listening, don't forget the best gift to give a child is always a book highlight book
0: for me in the collection that we're launching in the next sort of two months please let please me see the book that I'm thinking about <laughs> well maybe not I don't know it's Dr. Maybe T. book um, Mellow's Kingdom
1: that is, that know, is one the, of them there's another one but that is one of them yes well
0: you don't make me guess what is the other one it's it's, it's The Echo by J.K. Rowling ah okay <laughs> we'll talk more about that later yes for, we will the Thule Madonzella book um, is a book from Thule's heart. And she is, I guess, the paragon in South Africa of virtue of integrity. And my conversation with her, because I interviewed her for our catalogue that we launch over Christmas, I said to her, How how could it be? You know, the I mean public protector, um, a doctor and now a writer of children's books. And I think, she didn't say this, but I think that this kind of return to nostalgia, to simple values, to family values, to um, belief, to faith, to hope, those kinds of qualities um, is what many of us experienced over this crazy year and continue to do so. And so I think that this is Tully's answer to it. So what she 's taken is African fables that she heard from her grandmother. She talks about how they all had chores in the house, but in the evening, you were always promised a story, and these were some of the stories so she talks about that um, and then she shares with the most beautiful illustration many of the stories um and then just values that come from from the stories uh both kind of traditional tales. But um, Tuli Madonzella herself is a practicing Catholic, and so she comes from a faith-based background. And so faith-based values certainly come through in this book. Um, you know, faith, family, togetherness, kindness, humanness, um, sharing, those kinds of values in, in the book. I, I absolutely loved it. It just feels so... Internationally South African, which is what we aim for. And she talks about how she sent this book. She's got a grandchild in New York, and, and it was really written with this grandchild in mind, her first granddaughter. So um, that's Tully Madonzella's book.
1: I think Another it one that I fantastic, in. and it sounds like something that I would buy for myself. And, and to hear you speak about it, it, it reminds me of um, Justina Makhlopi, um, and mm-hmm. her storytelling, it sounds like that type of storytelling,
0: which yes, I just speaks so. to the that, heart,
1: from the heart.
0: Exactly. And I think that kind of authenticity you can't beat. And, and you
1: can't fake it.
0: No, not at all. Um, One of the classics, it's it's a new take on a classic, it's Roald Dahl's revolting things to touch and feel. And I just had to include it, there's not a lot to say, except that these are revolting things um, that you will know from Roald Dahl, but you get to touch and feel them, like the bumps on a crocodile and the sliminess of an egg and stuff like that. This is going to be such a hit for those sort of little ones, 0 to 3-year-olds. Highly recommended. Another book that I loved, I actually read it in the bookstore because I just wanted to get a sense of it, and then I couldn't put it down, was Neil Gaiman's Pirate Stew. And um, it's about, it almost has that Mrs. Doubtfire feel feel to it. So it's a um, pirate who is sent to babysit uh, a set of children. And could you think of anything more fun than having a pirate that babysit? Fantastic. <laughs> totally that fantastic. sounds amazing so that book is uh, you know I would say for about three to eight-year-olds Um it is a picture book it's glorious it's fun it's a romping read and I highly recommend it and then the last one which was tipped as your favorite is the Ichabok which is available in English and Afrikaans very exciting that we could supply it oh in Afrikaans. wow that's incredible yeah, really amazing. Um, the Ichabok is a, a mythical story from the J.K. Rowling, who wrote Harry Potter and others. And the, the story was actually told in series, in parts, over the lockdown period for free. So she was giving away this story. For a period. This is now all the parts put together and beautifully illustrated in a book because this is a physical book you want on your shelf. Absolutely. And, and I will
1: definitely be buying one. I actually didn't know that it was going to be released as a physical book. I have it, I have it sitting in my, my favorite bookmark, um, link on, on my, my laptop. I have it sitting there because, and I haven't, Finished reading it, but I didn't know that it was going to be a physical book. So when I saw that, I, I actually kind of started hyperventilating <laughs> from excitement. <laughs> um, well, I
0: think yes, I, no, I, I, I'm am, sure. I am a Harry Potter fan. In case you hadn't guessed, um, me too, <laughs> me too. But I, you know, I'm not a. 100% sure and I'll need to check this but I'm not sure that she intended for it to be written as a book I think it these stories were written during a time and given as a gift to her readers who perhaps couldn't get hold of physical books and who needed a new story to keep them going and these things often take a life of their own and um, then it, it it probably came from readers where they wanted a physical book at the end of all of it but that is
1: fantastic. We're going to take a break. And, I mean, this hour has gone past so fast. And we are going to be back with a wrap-up. I love it when you read to me.
0: This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz.
1: I'm back. And I have been chatting this morning to Bacabrica, the marketing loyalty and procurement general manager of exclusive books. We have been chatting about what books will be hitting the shelves or already on the shelves um, for this year end period. As we head into that frantic kind of exam shopping holiday. I don't know what mode we're in. I mean, who even knows what month we're in day of the week. I don't know. Um, but we've been chatting about books and Bacha. I mean, you've given us an amazing selection—fiction, non-fiction, children's books. I mean, and the couple of children's books that you've mentioned are actually books that I think a lot of adults would want to go and buy for themselves. I certainly will be going to get them for me. Um, what are you going to be reading in the next couple of months? <laughs>
0: Well, um, there are two books next to my bed. And don't kill me because one is a cookery book. But, you know, I am a Jewish mama. No problem. No problem. (laughs) And I have
1: loads of cookery books. But my family wants to know why I never actually open them. And when I open them, it's really just to look at the beautiful pictures. And I make the same things all the
0: time. And why do I keep buying more? (laughs) so so I'm one of those people who is always trying new recipes and um, I have loved lockdown for cookery and I wanted to mention just two books very quickly the one was A Taste of South Africa with the Kosher Butcher's Wife which is the new Sharon Burry it's 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 amazing It is totally amazing and I've got two recipes in the oven, one in the slow cooker, one in the oven for, for, um, Shabbat dinner tonight. So I'll let you know how those go. No, and, no just and, let me know what time to be there. <laughs> and the other one is Otolengi's flavor. You know, Yotam Anga is, is an international name and he, um, his book flavor I think launched perhaps a month ago and it's already in our bestseller um list. It is an absolutely gorgeous book. And it carries on from plenty and plenty more where he talks about um, vegetables and making the most of vegetables. I mean he talks about flavor bombs in relation to vegetables. It's a far cry from, you know, opening a, a, a frozen veggies and chucking it <laughs> in, <laughs> in some water. He he! It is spectacular, and I've started looking at it. My mouth was watering, but the book that I haven't been able to put down is a book called David Eagleman, by David Eagleman, and it's called Live Wired, and I didn't tell you about this before, Janice, because I had not picked it up before, but I'm already halfway through. I picked it up last night. I couldn't put it down. I didn't go to work this morning because I wanted to read more. Oh, my gosh. And it's the inside story of our brains, and how our brains work—things like why we dream, how we remember, how we actually, when we, I don't know, input information from the outside world—what our brain actually does—it is absolutely fascinating. Um, it's mind-blowing. That—that's the word that I would use. It's neuroscience, but in the most accessible way. It's called *Live Wired* by David Eagleman, and um, I highly recommend it because I couldn't put it down.
1: That sounds. Absolutely amazing, I'm making a note of it, and um, I'm going to put the cover of that up on the people of the Book Facebook page, so that if people are interested in looking for that, they will know what to look for, because I know we say don't judge a book by its cover, but let's be honest, we do, and if it's not appealing to the eye, we're not going to pick it up, are we, so... You know, if we look at something and we like the look of it, and if we know what we're looking for, if we recognize it from somewhere else, we do pick it up. So I will take a look at that and I'll put it on the Facebook page so that people will know what to look out for. Um, anything else? Anything fiction? Is there some fiction books
0: that you'll, you'll be looking out for that you'll be reading? Well, there's a fiction book that I want to just give everyone the heads up for. Um, I have read it, and it's only going to be coming out, I think, in February 2021. But look out for it. It's called The Hundred Years of Lenny and Margot. And I don't have the author. It sounds, um, so, it's just sounds, divine. It is <laughs> so marvelous. And it's about... Well, it sounds funny to say that in the same sentence, but it's about a 17-year-old girl who is dying. She's in hospital, and she's got a terminal illness, and she's dying. But she meets Margot, and Margot's 83, also in the terminal ward and also dying. And the two of them become the best of friends, and they decide together in their art class to paint the 100 years of Lenny and Margot, her 13 and Margot's 83. Um, Um, at at, at her 17 and Margot's 83 and you hear their stories um, the story of a girl who, who had lots of chance to dream but not a lot of chance to live and then the story of Margot who made choices along the way, she lived a lot many different routes that she took many lives that she did live but then perhaps walked away from a dream or two it is magnificent, it's memorable I've read it in proof now but it's something to look out for for next year Oh, stunning, Bacha. it has been
1: an absolute pleasure having you on the show, thank you so much for giving your time and thank you and for the
0: opportunity to talk books and reading it's always a pleasure Always a
1: pleasure and
0: I look forward to having
1: you back at the beginning of next year and we can chat about what's coming up in the new year I'm so ready So, so really looking forward to it and um, Shabbat Shalom to you. And if you are listening, remember,
0: wear your mask, look after each other and read a book.